Two Film Studios, the only podcast that takes you inside the mind of two film studio executives as we unravel and then re-ravel the best that Hollywood has to offer. I'm Isaac. And I'm AJ, and today we left the Movie Film Studio Memorial Theatre as we're both on location. However, we still sat down and independently watched the 2017 urban fantasy crime film, Bright. Get your sunnies out, people. It's a hot one. Yeah, uh, I, again, uh, having Netflix in remote locations helps. It doesn't help that uh, Mephistle would have did it. It's down again because uh, it would have been nice to be able to stream on our own service. But, I mean, there's only so many times you can watch Tequila Gold. That's right. Even yeah. with all those alternate endings. Also, we're in a bit. Of, it's a bit of a legal problem because Bright is a Netflix film. And for it to be on our digital distribution platform, we kind of just had one of the lawyers... Uh, set up in front of a computer and just holding up a camera and recording it live to our platform. <laughs> so. Exactly. I mean, technically, it's a Skype recording and yeah. we're just sort of like broadcasting live. The fact that that Skype recording has happens to be pointing straight at a screen that's p- playing bright has nothing to do with us. <laughs> it so. is. We, we've actually, we've done the first thing. Um, no one really does this. We're doing pay-per-view uh, <laughs> viewing on our platform. So you yeah. have to wait, and you have to wait until the schedule allows the lawyer to to be watching Bright. <laughs> the good thing is it is slightly cheaper than subscribing to Netflix, which yeah, is yeah, what yeah. everyone's after. So Yeah, Netflix is like, what, 12 or 13 bucks a month? We're 10 bucks a month. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's all you have to do. You just have to be slightly cheaper than your competition, yes. and you'll find that, uh, that edge to the market. So. Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay, but before we get on with our main feature today, uh, I think it's time for Box Office Report. Last week, we released, or we were in production of the film Truman, Paddles of Destiny, a spiritual sequel to the 1990, I want to say, uh, pseudo-documentary comedy film The Truman Show. So, Isaac, yes. how are we going on that film? It is going great. So, uh, part of what we had to do last time was organize the pinball tournament mm-hmm. um, to, to find our champion to then sort of start the, the documentary slash mockumentary with our 80s film stars. Yes. It turns out that arranging a pinball tournament is actually kind of interesting okay. and almost worth making a documentary about in its own right. Right. Um, we had far more... Uh, participants in it than we thought and we're doing a a round robin sort of slowly weeding it out we've actually got a film crew in there so we may actually accidentally make a legitimate documentary before we make (laughs) our mockumentary documentary so okay oh i have another idea as well if we're going to be doing that we've already got a film crew in there why don't we expand you know how disney owns espn and they do sports I mean, yes. can't live pinball be a sport? Can Interesting. We not, can we not stream that like 24-7 on our platform? As well right. as do the so, documentary? As well as do so, the So film. the sort of like that, that Twitch esports thing that's yeah, going yeah. on at the... like. Uh, so Mephistle Wooda Duda has also a, a live streaming Twitch style service. Yes. where But instead of like esport video games, it's uh, old style arcade games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we do, we do the same thing. I mean, we needed somewhere to, to test run the technology of having the cameras inside the pinballs themselves and in the, <laughs> the right. backboards yep. there to yep. get good shots. So, so why not? That's really good. I think we'll we'll pass it down to Movie Film Studios Workshop. Yep. Um, practical. I think they're yep. going to have to work practical and digital. Are going to have to work hand yeah, in hand with this to, one. So they're going to have to settle their differences, put aside their their um, their antagonism, and uh, work together. Yeah, interesting. And we're going to have to come up with another mouthful of an acronym to describe it, but uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll have to check in with that next week, yes, see how, we how it uh, pans out. Okay, brilliant. All right, on to this week in trailers. Now, 
because we did watch a Netflix film this week, we thought that we'd uh, have a look in the crystal ball of Netflix releases and see what's coming up in the future on that platform. Netflix seems to have the the balls to actually, speaking of balls and crystal balls, <laughs> the balls to do films that probably wouldn't get widespread releases if they were Hollywood films. Yeah. They seem to be creatively a little bit different and creatively a little bit out there, mm. um, which is kind of nice to see. Again, you probably have more of your horrible, low-budget Adam Sandler films that Netflix does. But, you know, in amongst there, you might actually get a, a few good films here and there. Uh, so yes. what did we watch this week, AJ? Uh, so first cab off the ranks is a film called Game Over Man, uh, which is a... Uh, I mean, thrill is the wrong word for it, but it's it a... It is sort of... Die Hard done by stoners. That's right, yeah. Uh, so if you've ever watched the, the comedy show Workaholics, it's by the, the same three guys... Who do that? I believe there's a fourth guy, Kyle, who's who directs most of the episodes. Yes, but it's it's if those guys did Die Hard, essentially there's a terrorist who's uh, taken over a celebrity party and imprisoned Shaggy, and the three no hope waiters who avoided being captured and now trying to do a uh, action adventure. A rescue to to save the day yep. in very much a Die Hard style, where they're you know using guns and shooting people, but obviously in that stoner comedy, very inept way that they do. Yeah, some very diehard moments. There's a scene where they uh, sort of string a bit of rope between two buildings and then they've rigged up this contraption that consists of an ironing board and a kind of weird like harness thing and they're trying to sort of uh, cross the gap but then end up getting stuck in the middle and it's all very weird. And it's I mean, look, if you like that kind of comedy, then you'll probably like this film. I definitely don't. So I did not like this trailer. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually quite a big fan of Workaholics. It was a, a little bit, it was original and fresh when it first started. It went downhill a little bit, but um, I think the the three main guys there have um, distinct personalities and yes. quite charismatic. And I very much appreciate peep those guys who write and direct and produce their, their own content. Mm. Um, so I'll probably end up watching this, to be honest. I mean, I do have a Netflix subscription, which I... <laughs> you know, use once every couple of months and it definitely justifies what I spend on it. But uh, if they're going to keep putting out good original content, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. So yeah. the other film we watched this week was, uh, the, the trailer we watched this week was a, a Netflix mm-hmm. original as well with uh, Jack Black called yes. The Polka King. So it seems to be a sort of based on a true story tale of a uh, <laughs> poker-based uh, entrepreneur and musician who makes a lot of money uh, being in a very successful poker band or polka band rather, uh, but ends up squandering a lot of his money away and then realizing that he needs to pay off his investors. Uh, And uh, it features Jack Black talking in a sort of pseudo-Russian It's Polish, I I believe. He's he's a a Polish immigrant trying to live the American dream Mm. and starts up this sort of business and old people just want to start investing money in the show. And then apparently that's an illegal way. You can't just accept money from people and either he has to make the investment legitimate or he has to pay it back or find some sort of weird money laundering alternative. Yeah. Um, It's got a very um, Wes Anderson kind of vibe to the... Like, it looks sort of very late 60s, early 70s style that yeah. you see in Wes Anderson, that sort of weird faux comedy where it's, you're not sure if it's really a comedy or if it's, but it's sort of quite serious events. And mm. But enough of that. Uh, enough of that. 
onto our feature uh, film today. Which onto is the feature Bright. film, indeed. So Bright comes to us uh, via Netflix and David Ayer. Now, David Ayer is, of course, the director of such films as uh, End of Watch. Suicide Squad. The End of Watch as well, Squad. yeah. Yes, the very, very much maligned Suicide uh, Squad. And writer of Training Day. Yes. Now, I think um, all of those three kind of have ties in a lot of ways to this film. Um Suicide Squad being a film about Will Smith who can shoot at things really good, which um, <laughs> is something that he does quite a lot of in Bright. Yes. Um, End of Watch being a uh, buddy cop film about sort of the dark and gritty nature of um, crime on the streets and the mm-hmm. dangers of being police officers, also what this film is about. Mm-hmm. And uh, Training Day, which is, um, again, a buddy cop film with this sort of serious overtone of they've entered a neighborhood and... Um, they have to, you know, use their wits to survive. A Training Day, I should say, is an excellent film. Mm. Uh, end of Watch, I did not enjoy at all. <laughs> and, and Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad yeah. is is pretty horrible as well. <laughs> um, but I quite enjoyed Bright. Really? Because I didn't. I mean, I did and I didn't for a lot of different reasons. But I think before we do any of that, before we unravel this film, we do need to do our customary two-minute recap. Isaac, are you All up right. for it this I, week? I re- which I will do it this week. Now, in the past, uh, we've said two-minute recap and sometimes gone on four or five or 12-minute rambles. <laughs> I really want to keep this as short as possible. Yep. Um, this is really just for anyone who hasn't seen the film or hasn't even seen the trailer. Um, a really brief synopsis. If I... Go over two minutes, AJ. You have to cut me off. Yep. And for any information that I miss out on, that's too bad, people. If you want to find out, you just have to go watch the film yourself. Look, I, I can't imagine that there's people that who people that want to see this film are coming to us first to figure out what the film is about. So if you're interested in watching these films, go and watch them and then come and listen to us. All right. Okay. Two minutes and your time starts now. The film starts and it's uh, the first thing that we sort of get a sense of is the world and how it is sort of both subtly and drastically different from our own. There's um, orcs and elves and centaurs and dragons and fairies that sort of exist in a world, but not in a way that differs very much from our own. It's still got your um, police. It's still got crime and cars and things like that. The city's subtly different. There's like an elven district and uh, an orcish district, but for the most part, they live together. But there's these massive overtones of uh, racial unease between orcs and humans. Um, uh, an orc is Will Smith's partner, uh, and everyone on the police, he's a, he's the first ever orc police officer and everyone on the force hates him. Uh, Will Smith's trying to get transferred. All the other co- cops want him out because he's a liability. Um, they, so they start off in this position where there's these two partners who hate one another. They get called out to a disturbance where they find a lot of dead bodies. And then there's a, a girl with a magic wand. Uh, and the magic wand is this all-powerful item that um, everyone is after. So the humans are after, the elves are after, and the orcs are after. Uh, we do a, a you know a, a survival bit throughout the streets of whatever city they happen to be in, where they have to survive the night while the humans and orcs and elves come after them. There's a series of skirmishes and attacks. Uh, the notable uh, enemies are evil elves who are trying to use the wands to resurrect their evil dark overlord and there's a climactic showdown where they have to fight off against these all-powerful super kung fu elves and obviously uh, our heroes um, overcome their differences and uh, become friends at the end and the day is saved and that's the film 
the whole point of this film is sort of a very big genre um, crossover, a genre mashup rather. So you've got the really hardcore fantasy elements with the elves and the orcs, and obviously um, the whole context of it being set in sort of our own world or something that looks very much like our own world. So it's set in sort of modern day Los Angeles with the um, depiction of the sort of higher priced areas of LA and then also the sort of more ghetto-y and slummy areas of, of, of um, the city as well. Um, a lot of gang warfare and a lot of that kind of stuff, but also species warfare as well. Super interesting as a concept, I have to say. I really liked the idea of it. The sort of grounding story is the story between Will Smith and his orc partner, Jacoby, I think. Is his yeah, Jacoby, name? played Jacobi? by Joel Edgerton, Joel Edgerton and yeah. a butt-ton of prosthetics. Yes. Uh, a lot of, yeah. And a lot of, uh, no CGI in that regard either, I don't think. No, I mean, there's there's little bits and pieces of his nostrils flaring and his ears twitching and things like that. Mm. But for the most part, it's all, it's pretty much 99% practical effects yeah. in terms of the... Um, the sets and costuming and things like that as far as you can tell there's a few scenes where bullets go flying through the air that are done in bad cg yeah but really only one or two shots and the rest of it's done in a in a believable practical manner which is um quite impressive and i quite enjoyed so i want to talk about the whole buddy cop aspect of this film um which is where part or most of the humor of this film comes from so there's moments of levity in this film and they're purely delivered by the interactions between Will Smith and um, the Orc. Um, and they felt very out of place. So this film is really gritty. It really goes for that hardcore. It is very gritty. Uh, like, yeah, think of all the racial tension that's going on in America right now and then multiply it by including, um, <laughs> you know, creatures of different species as well. Uh, because all... And this is the thing as well. All the... Um, all the existing racial tensions that uh, that exist in America right now. So there's um, the sort of racial tension between um, black people and white people and Hispanics and so on and so forth. That all exists in this world. But then there's also uh, racial tensions between elves and humans and humans and orcs and orcs and elves as well. Um, so it's really, it's a horrible world to live in. Uh, and that's how they really go, like they really lean into that whole aspect of the film and then you've got these little moments of levity where um the orc character is kind of a little bit sweet and endearing at times and he's kind of a little bit um he's, he's got a bit of a doe-eyed uh view of the world at, at certain points and he kind of um uh speaks his mind and and says silly things yeah. sometimes it- and in the way that he's not completely familiar with human um, social interaction, yeah, and may it makes him come off as a little bit slow, but it's also kind of very, very sort of charming as well, yeah. Um, which it's- is contrasted quite differently from Will Smith, who for the first third of this film is just flat out an asshole, mm. and it's really weird to see. Um, but you know that's that's how they they build up that di- dynamic between it's a buddy cop and they're coming from opposite perspectives and they have a very tense and fragile and um discordant relationship which you expect that by the end of the film they'll have found common ground mm. and of, of course they do yeah but it's just it none of it none of it rings true for me i felt that this film tried to do a lot it brought in a lot of different concepts uh and a lot of different motifs and themes and and a and a very like a crazy variation in tone and just couldn't resolve any of it in in the one film. Um, it felt 
like jam-packed with content and jam-packed with some really good ideas uh but yeah just fell over at every single point trying to do everything at the same time yeah i i I somewhat disagree with you there and we discussed that you said like if you strip away the fantasy element what do you have left you kind of have like a really mediocre buddy cop film and that's end of watch like end of watch (laughs) is that film yeah and I didn't like End of Watch, and I finished End of Watch. I'm like, what should I? What would have they could they have done there to make that film interesting? And and to me, it turns out it's filling it up with orcs and goblins <laughs> and all your Dungeons and Dragonsy creatures that I grew up loving. Yeah, and creating a world which I think I really enjoyed the way they were built here, in that they sort of subtly referenced history. Yep. and they subtly referenced past events. Mm-hmm. And they didn't sort of go, in your face, here's what, you know, here's everything that's really cool, check it out. It's like, no, these characters live and they exist in this world. There's no real need to focus on every little aspect of it, but we can sort of show bits of it in the background and hint at it. And and setting this sort of buddy cop against uh, a reasonably well thought out world that they're not so in your face with, I, I very much appreciated. I Look, I did too. And in a simpler film, this would actually be really effective because you can really, you could really take time to give that buddy cop um, aesthetic time to, to actually form and, and to become something quite solid. But because we're switching around between so many different characters in this film and everyone has... Um, what do you mean so many different characters there's, like, there's 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 two main characters and one main villain and they they barely leave the main characters so no, much so see, this is you've forgotten so much what's happened in this film so you've got the buddy cop right then you've got the um the girl the elf girl who steals the barely woman. then you've got she's the, with them and she barely speaks yeah, but that's and my point. then you have the the rest of the cops that get killed i i, I somewhat understand what you're saying it's still your extra biggest clutter. hang up with this film though is the main villains, which are yes. the evil kung fu ninja elves. Yes, they call them the Inferni. Uh, so the leader of them is played by Numi Rapace or Rapace. Let's go. One of the two. Yeah, one of the two. So they're introduced as kind of this ruthless, uh, brutally efficient group who just murder everyone in their sight uh, in their sort of quest to get the wand. Um, and that's fine. You know, I have no problem with that. They, there's a scene where the SWAT, a SWAT team shows up um, at this bar that they're sort of going through and they're just mowed down in about five seconds. Um, yeah, well, I mean, not to mention there's a whole bunch of uh, uh, Latino gangsters there. It's yep. probably about a dozen Latino gangsters who are armed to the teeth. Yes. And then a, a SWAT crew shows up and these Kung Fu Ninja elves just come through with yeah. like little knives and slit everyone's throat yep. in a yep. blink of an eye that this entire two entire squads are taken down yep. without any effort at but all there's only three of them by the way as well so that's sort of giving you an idea yes. of how ruthless they are but then at the inevitable point where our buddy cop heroes um face up against the three of them um they suddenly aren't able to kill them very efficiently and just employ the tried and true tested uh, method of just let's just fling them across the room and that'll stop them for yeah. a while they suddenly become very inept where before they're slitting people's throats suddenly like you know will smith can block a knife thrust or uh they can't you know pick up a gun and shoot in time like they were doing before yeah it does become like they, they are bumbling fools essentially when whenever the um the main characters are in shot yes. and even even in that um strip club scene where they've killed everyone will smith and uh, joel edgerton are sort of like watching them do it for a long time and they're like oh they've killed everyone we should probably run away and then they just kind of run away and <laughs> yeah. they're not attacked or chased yeah 
Um, yeah, they, they hang around. It, it's very much long. becomes a, a story thing, right? Where the, the only reason for it to happen is because you can't really kill off your main characters and your main characters have to win a fight. But if you're going to do that, why set up these villains as being so uber powerful yep. that no one could possibly stop them? Yes. So I want to also talk about the whole point of this of the naming of the film. So the film's called Bright, and that references the fact that um, people that can handle a wand are very, very rare, uh, and they are called Brights. So the Inferni, these ninja elves, are Brights. Um, there's, but aside from that, there's no one else that is a Bright, and apparently um, uh, human Brights are incredibly rare. So, yeah, so most of the brights are elves and yeah. all of the elves are wealthy and powerful and there's the br- human brights are one in a million and I, I don't think they ever mentioned that there's ever been an orcish bright, yeah. but yeah. There probably is. Um, and uh, at the end, spoiler alert, it turns out that Will Smith is a bright himself. Who would have saw that coming? Well, and it's just... But that's my point, isn't it? Like, it's just an unsatisfying conclusion. It's just like, well, okay. I mean, but you knew that was going to happen. No, from I did the start know, and that film that made it even worse. That's yeah, because they there's a thing at the start where they're talking about some kind of prophecy. Like they, um, uh, the body cops sort of turn up to the scene of a sort of raving lunatic who's swinging a sword around, and then they arrest him, and then he starts going on about a prophecy and how um, Will Smith's character is you know a chosen one or special prophecy or, or something or, or whatever whatever those words that they use but yeah. that's it like there's that bit there at the start where they're like they introduce this whole concept of there being prophecy and then right at the end will smith suddenly finds out that he's a bright and there's no journey for him whatsoever in terms of you know knowing about that or coming to that conclusion it's just no, like the the journey is not the discovery of the bright i think the journey is the as fundamentally at the core of the relationship between the two cops and how they they finally sort of do mend that and i think they did that reasonably well i think if we're comparing it to a film that we watched uh last week uh welcome to the jamungle um the, <laughs> there's there's a moment there where the two female characters are talking to one another is like you can be quite stuck up and you can be quite judgy mm. all right i'll try and stop doing that and literally like their main character hang up is dealt with in one two-minute conversation yes and you're like oh you're not going to spend a film actually developing these characters and showing through their actions how they come to respect one another you're just going to do it in this crappy little dialogue scene yeah i felt like at least in bright it was slow and it was gradual and it was over a series of events oh. that these sort of two characters did actually sort of come together and start to respect one another i totally agree and that is the point of the film but because it's also tied to this concept of bright which is incredibly important in this uh film's world it just feels like i'm trying to think of a good example but it's like um you know it's it's almost like if you take that welcome to the jamungle uh example it's like those two female characters do that and then you find out like immediately after that that one of them actually created jumanji like it's it's too much to give yeah. to one character for no good reason like the it's their true. relationship didn't need that whole revelation that will smith is a bright no. to actually conclude itself. I, I, so it just feels like they've added a, too much a better option would have been that the orc character was a bright or that no one was a bright yes and like the whole the whole setup there was kind of a bit of a red herring it's a bit disappointing that we went on to imdb to sort of see 
what the other directors and people have been in and Bright 2 is already confirmed. Yeah. And for me, that kind of makes me like the film slightly less. Yeah. They're trying to... like I, I like that this is self-contained. I like that they put a lot of thought into this world, into this fantasy environment and then they sort of subtly referenced it. Mm. But the fact that they're sort of planning on going back and, and flushing it out kind of makes me think, oh, maybe they weren't quite so, you know, uh, subtle with their references as I hoped. Possibly not. But I think that what this proves, and I think that the whole idea, the whole reason why there is a bright two is because there is an audience out there that loves genre mashups. It's something you don't really see too often, particularly an example as extreme as this. Um, and that really gets my the gears in my head a turn. Yeah, the gears in motion. If you know All right, what I do mean. we want to... Do you want to take it to the green room before we uh, we get too far? Oh, I think we should definitely take it to the green room. And you know how we're going to get there? By the power of musical sting. And we're in the green room. Is my voice any... No, no, it's... No, uh, no it doesn't, didn't help, apparently. That's... Uh, I thought, you know, maybe... It may have some medicinal purposes that, you know, it takes some things away but gives some things back, but mm. but not at all. I am just feeling like uh, every time I go through it now, and now I'm getting that new sensation that um, as we're traveling through Sting, I'm getting slowly stretched. And I actually measured my height recently, and I've noticed that I've shot up a couple of centimeters. Oh, really? Um, yeah, which is, which is odd. Um, so, uh, and by a couple of centimeters, I mean something like 10 to 15 centimeters and oh, wow, yes, that's, I could attribute I mean, it to a, a late noticeable. growth spurt, but, um, I, I feel like it's the musical sting. Is it that. supposed to be doing this? Should we get like an audio engineer in and see if there's like some sort of like bit rate or like compression that we've put on the sting? <laughs> That's doing weird things. Like I, I'm sure it's not supposed to be happening like this. No, I mean when 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 I created the musical sting, uh, I specifically uh, made it to specification so that it would just purely transport us. But something seems to have gotten into the mix. Uh, yeah, that's probably some sort of MP3 compression thing, and it should have been a WAV file. Yeah, yeah, mm. I think that's probably it. Um, in the big magical pot that I used to make it all, something slipped in. So anyway. I really, I really like the fact that we're focusing on the mashup and I've had an idea. Yes. I reckon we do a three, two, one countdown. Yeah. And I'll do a, um, a story type or a story trope. Yep. And you do like a, a film genre environment. And on this count of three, we both say the first thing that pops into our head. A film. And then, hang on. A film yeah, genre like, environment. Yeah, like, I don't know. If you want to do like, because fantasy is what it does. So this one is buddy cop yep. meets fantasy. So buddy cop is the um, there's the story type, and fantasy is the film genre. Right. So if you can pick like a setting, like an anachronistic or out there setting, and I'll pick like the the, the type of the type of story. Yep. Then we'll see what uh, what what <laughs> mash together we can come up with. Yep. All right. So all right. Are you ready? Yes. Three, two, one. Period Murder English mystery. drama. Oh my god, that just works too well. We, you've just done. We've just done Agatha Christie. <laughs> yes, we have. That's not enough oh of god. a mashup, though, is it? And it's not a mashup at all. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Well, we need to add. We'll need to add something to this then. Um, uh, I was thinking we just do a three, two, one again and again. see what uh, what the random uh, generator spits out. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Go for it. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Okay. Three, two. One prehistoric times. 
I w- I think that works. <laughs> I think that works in in ways in which we're not even entirely aware of yet, but we'll uh, we'll make it work. So the question is with with road trip. There's a whole bunch of different. Um, ways you can take that there is like the the Thelma and Louise style yes um somewhat serious road trip Mm -hmm. there is the uh the road trip road trip which is your (laughs) um American Pie style uh you know coming of age sexual Mm. comedy um there's speed I suppose could possibly be considered like the action kind of like road Uh, trip kind of thing johnny depp style one um fear and loathing is fear and loathing las vegas yes one private idaho and i'm thinking of keanu reeves in a (laughs) film with um river phoenix from the road motorcycle but you got you you know easy rider there's a you know a a road trip kind of film which is you know defined the the you know youth's attitude towards a whole sort of Mm -hmm. decade so there's a whole bunch of options there and your suggestion was prehistoric, is yes. that right? Yes. So do we do what Bright did and bring the prehistory into modern times or is, or do we do uh, characters set in prehistory? Look, I would like to bring prehistory into modern times. Um, I would like to do a alternate history where the dinosaurs were never killed, where the dinosaurs were never Ooh. wiped out by a meteor. Interesting. The meteor just kind yeah, this, of... We're getting into Super Mario Brothers territory again. <laughs> well, we're also getting into Pixar's The Good Dinosaur as well, because that's exactly what happened in that. Um, oh, right. Uh, but I think also in the spirit of genre mashup, um, we mentioned a, you know, a whole bunch of different films that sort of use the road trip aesthetic, but I think we should combine a few of them together. Oh, absolutely. We, I mean, this is, this is the thing here. We take everyone else's ideas and we pick out the best bits yeah, 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 and we, yeah. we claim them as our own. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the prehistory thing. Are you think, thinking like caveman or are you thinking dinosaur or are you thinking Flintstones, which is caveman <laughs> and dinosaur? Well, it, um, has to, it has to be caveman and dinosaur. Because if the dinosaurs were never wiped out, then the humans turned up and the dinosaurs are still there. So I think I think I, I quite like the idea of we'd set it in modern times. So mm. you know, two thousand circa two thousand and eighteen, two thousand twenty, yeah. and dinosaurs are kind of just like um, your cats and dogs and things like that. Yep. It becomes a little bit more awkward when you have um, T Rexes and uh, Brontosauruses and uh, Brachiosaurs and all that sort of stuff, which are obviously you know skyscraper height and people still actually have to be somewhat wary of carnivores yep. uh but everyone's sort of trying to live their life somewhat ignoring the fact that they exist but also the world is subtly different because they do exist if i could interject and throw a potential spanner in the work so the thing that just came to my mind is uh the in jurassic park the first one there's a banner that says when dinosaurs ruled the earth So what if in this modern version of Earth, dinosaurs never stopped ruling the Earth and actually still rule the Earth, but in a completely modern context? So they are actually the leaders. They are actually in charge of everything to do with the world. Um, Mainly because I just want to see dinosaurs in suits and going to business meetings. With humans? With humans, yes. Um, But no human holds a position of power in this world. So the, the bosses, the entrepreneurs, the... Exact the movie executives are all dinosaurs. Are we going to do like a, a class and or gender thing and and do those overtones like they did in, oh, yeah, uh, in sure. Bright? Obviously, yeah, heavily yeah. racial overtones, uh, and this this has overtones of sort of class struggle and gender struggle yes. to actually find equal footing within the world. Yes. So if it's a let's say for the road trip, it is just a collection of humans 
who are looking for something better, looking for a way to the top. Um, and that way we kind of give it that American Pie road trip style <laughs> framing device. Um, they're on a, they're on right. a sort of quest for the top exactly but with any road trip it is going from point a to point b yes and so that's that's where i think we'd start with this story is trying Mm. to figure out where is point a and where is point b yes all right so point a we have a group of plucky kids now i really wanted to combine um the yeah the kid aesthetic with something like fear and loathing um which it's going to be a See, I'm just picturing now a, a velociraptor with a, a Hawaiian shirt and a backwards baseball cap. Yeah. And he's the son of like a rich, powerful film studio executive. Yeah. Yep. This is where we tie ourselves in. Yeah. And these kids, um, like, you know, dinosaurs and, and, uh, and humans never normally get along. Yeah. But this group of kids with this one velociraptor have written this movie script. And because yep. like the... Uh, Velociraptor in a Hawaiian shirt with a backwards baseball cap and and po- possibly amber-tinted glasses yeah. um, has an in. Yeah. They all get invited to go down to Hollywood yeah. to pitch this film. Yeah. And it's their journey from uh, from Seattle? Sure. Is that, that's a place <laughs> that's, a place, that's yeah. somewhat northwest in America. Sure. Yeah. All the way down to the southwest coast of, mm. uh, of Hollywood. Of Hollywood, yeah, for sure. Down our neck of the woods. Uh, that sounds fantastic. I love that idea. And I love the idea that this script is sort of has never before been seen in the world. They've never no one's ever thought of like, oh, what if we did a film where it's like dinosaurs and humans? Everyone just thinks like, oh, that's crazy. Why would you do something like that? There's entertainment for dinosaurs and there's entertainment for humans and the dinosaurs run both of them. Um, but this is the first time that and it's it's a bunch of kids as well. So they're very um, optimistic, enthusiastic um, and ready to take on the world. So as part of every road trip film, um, there needs to be travails, there needs to be problems that they come up against, situations and so on and so forth. Um, what's going to happen on their journey? I really like the idea of this where um, because we're stealing from so many different road trip genres, yeah. one of their escapades is um, like comedy uh, natural lampoons, vacation style hijinks. <laughs> yeah. The next one is like Thelma and Louise. We shot a guy. Uh, the next one is like Easy Rider, or Fear and Loathing, yeah, sort yeah. of drug trip thing. <laughs> and we just keep bouncing back and forth between these three different sort of like or four or five or ever how many. Yeah, yeah, next yeah. one is a teen stoner comedy with inexplicable amount of topless um, teenagers. <laughs> who, who would have thought? And then back to the cops are on us and we got to jump off a you know a cliff to outrun them. Sort of. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I can see how this works. So what what will happen is uh, very early on on the road trip they hit a guy, right? So they hit some person. Um, and it's it, not a person. It's oh, a dinosaur. It's a dinosaur. Right. They hit a dinosaur. And, and everyone knows when humans, you know, have crimes against dinosaurs, they get punished much more severely yeah, than when yeah. dinosaurs do crimes Absolutely. against humans. So they decide to take the dinosaur corpse and put it into the boot of their car and take it with them. Um, and then there's a situation where they uh, are stopped at like a um, a tollway or a like a, a state border crossing, um, and they feel like they're going to get discovered uh, with the dinosaur corpse in the boot. So then there has to be a kind of like weekend at Bernie style fun weekend at Bernie's. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> That's right. Where they they get the corpse of the dinosaur and try to make it look like it's alive which somehow fools the border crossing agent yeah 
But um, in the next, you know, scene, instead of being like a weekend at Bernie style puppet, suddenly like there's blood and guts everywhere. It's more like seven head in a box sort of style. Um, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And then to get the fear and loathing part of it into it, I think what should happen is they're traveling on the road and then uh, this packet of, of powder sort of comes out of the pocket of the um, dinosaur's corpse. Uh, and the kids, oh, wow. the kids are all handing it around, and they're like, "What is this?" And then the Velociraptor with the backwards baseball cap sort of hands it and uh, takes it and says, "I'll show you what this is." Um, and then there's a massive, like, basically acid trip sequence where, yeah, um, and, and and then you can that having drugs can cut between any of those styles. You've got yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the acid trip in uh, Fear and Loathing. Mm. You've got the, oh, it's a teen comedy with stoner drugs. That's going to be <laughs> yep. hilarious. And then it's a, like, you've killed one of our cartel members. We are the the mafia and we're yep, coming yep. after you. Yes. And then it sort of all ties back into like the dad being the movie studio executive, but yep, he's using yep. it as a front for drug smuggling. And yep. like the guy that they've killed is actually linked to the studio. <laughs> and we sort of, there's this weird sort of like, this, this is a thing like, how, how do you shoot it? What's the color grade? What's the what are the camera oh, angles? Because they're also grade. vastly different between the. We're going to have to hire like six different cinematographers. Yeah, yeah, that's and right. Three different directors yep, to actually yep. make this work, uh, and yeah, a whole bunch of editors as well. Because it's it's it just it needs to feel like a, a massive mashup of things. It needs to have everything and anything in there. Can I also throw another genre mashup in there? Um, I think while they're on their acid trip, um, it should then turn into a body swap film. So the, the Velociraptor then thinks it's a human and all the kids start thinking they're dinosaurs. I like I like the body switch. We'll get the body switch in there. I, what, I, what I was actually thinking would be really good if we do it a little bit meta mm. and the characters know that they're in this. <laughs> they know they're in the film. And they know that it's genre swapping. Ooh. So the moment they get attacked by the, the mafia with their guns, yep. they're like, quickly, we have to get away until this becomes a teen comedy. Because yeah. in the teen comedy, we can't be killed by the mafia. Yes. Could we also do it so that when the film switches styles, we actually switch out the cast as well? So uh, for the sort of kids on a road trip kind of thing, we hire kids. Uh, for when it gets into the mafia style, uh, against all odds, on the run style, we sort of cast adults and they're still wearing the kids' clothing. And then, yeah, so we just, every time the, the genre changes, we just change the cast to match. Yeah, that's not bad. And that, and that's how that they're somewhat aware as yeah. well because they have their own memories yes. from the scenes that they're in and they have these vague memories from the scenes that they're yeah, not yeah, in. Yeah. They know that everyone looks slightly different and they know that they actually sort of also recognize actors as well. It's like, like Samuel L. Jackson, (laughs) your character was being played by Donald Glover just a moment ago, but how do I know the words Samuel L. Jackson and Donald Glover if we're in a universe where those actors don't exist and it just becomes this existential crisis as these people sort of journey um, through both the world and their own sort of metaphysical experiences. Oh, that's fantastic. So, okay, we've got the beginning, we've got the sort of middle. How is this going to end? Do we want them to be successful in their quest or will this be a Thelma and Louise hurl off the edge of a cliff kind of we andy kaufman it okay we andy kaufman it and they they all show up to the movie studio at the end but there's like four different groups of people who all show (laughs) up pitching their own movie but it's not the same film anymore it's actually four separate films and suddenly people yeah so we we do this sort of yeah yeah like uh being john malkovich kind Mm. of weird a metaphysical crisis existential crisis ending where they kind of like all just kind of go oh and then the film is the script of the things that they've just experienced oh and they God. didn't even re- realize yes. 
that they wrote themselves into existence yeah, yeah. four separate times in four separate yeah. ways with the same personalities oh, and, and names. And what we can then do is we can do the spin-off film after that where one of the writers of this theoretical film starts having delusions and starts thinking that they're in a murder mystery about a flower. Is that a Kaufman reference it to is a film that I haven't watched? <laughs> Adaptation, it is, is it? Yes. I have not seen that oh, one. Well. You know. Oh, well. People who uh, who are into it will know that, and they'll get that reference, and they'll snigger to themselves. Good reference, AJ. Thank you. I picked the film that it was based <laughs> on the fact that I don't have time for Andy Kaufman films. <laughs> don't make me think. Just make some things explode. Yeah, yeah. We we don't, we only need to take the essence of Andy Kaufman and all the other genres that we're mashing up. We don't actually need to do them uh, any kind of justice whatsoever. <laughs> they just need to feel like it. Um, so in that regard, we don't really need to do any, do any research. Just the stuff that we know off the top of our heads about all these different genres and directors and uh, filming styles, that's all we need. We can rush this straight into production, and I predict that it'll be out in four days. Four, four, that's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. The fact that we're going to have to have an A unit, a B unit, a C unit, a D unit, and an E unit <laughs> plus, plus four independently making their own films. <laughs> yeah I kind of like the the idea as well that we with um, Mephistle mm. the, we have like a, a yellow button on the mm-hmm. remote and at any point during the movie you can hit the yellow yeah. button and it will just swap oh, that's to whatever one yeah 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 so it like you know swaps between yeah. um, between all the different it's films like, and that always makes sense no matter where you swap because the, the journeys are sort of all parallel yeah. and so, also somewhat interweaving yeah. And so as you press the yellow button, it just sort of bounces around between them yep. and you can sort of watch it in a million different ways depending on when you press the red if, button if I, or the yellow button. If I can throw an even more of a complication in there, and I think we can do this, possibly with magic, but any time that you press that yellow button, the characters in the film need to be aware that that's happened. So at any point, oh God. at any point through the film, if the user decides to press that yellow button to switch the genre, to switch the um, the story around... The characters need to know that that's happening, and they will reference it. I I don't know how we're going to do that, but to me, we can do it. It's we just have to film. We just have to film the film, um, all the way through, yep. and then also all the way through, but starting like four seconds in when someone may have pressed the yellow yes, button, yep. and then we film um the entire film again, but eight seconds, starting from eight mm-hmm. seconds, and I'm really weird, and they have to film the same film. Um, you know, four or five hundred times, and then also five times because there's five different plot yeah, lines. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, it. It'll be easy. It'll be easy to do. But this is an amp- and just in case you uh, you're wondering, yes, the whole thing does sync up to the Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> uh, yes, um, and the Wizard of Oz somehow as well. Um, yeah, that's that's if you uh, hold the yellow brick button down. <laughs> uh, brilliant. I think I think that's a wrap. Oh, hang on. No, it's not. No, it's not. We didn't really cast that, did no, we? No, we, we didn't come didn't, up with uh, the name of that who's film gonna be either. We do de- Samuel L. Jackson and D- Donald Glover. That's right. The name will do. Yeah, let's, let's come up with a name. What's uh, um, What are you thinking? Uh, what am I thinking? I mean, how can this possibly? We, I mean, could it just be? Could it just be like the asterisk symbol? I've got. I've got it. I've got it. Oh, I like your asterisk symbol. I was thinking, tripping. Oh, yes, it has to be that. Tripping asterisk. Yeah. Tripping asterisk. Um, no, 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 no. There's four asterisks. It's tripping asterisk asterisk asterisk, and that each of those somewhat represents yeah. um, each, each of, of the, the four, four stories. stories. But then, like, yeah, I think we'll stick with four. I did mention five before, but four yeah. sounds pretty four, good. Five's ambitious. Four, I think, considering we have to shoot four different films plus five hundred different permutations for each film when the user might have hit the yellow button. Uh let's keep it at yeah. four. Four's a good number. So it's tripping, asterisk, 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 asterisk. 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 <laughs> Great. 
uh, it will be on the Fizzadida in four days. Four, of course, four days. Yeah. We do a film a day. It's the perfect production exactly. time. I mean, that's all it takes. I mean, the people who are subscribed to Mephisto will obviously have to buy the peripheral device. Yes. And on top of their existing subscription, they'll have to um, buy the... It's, you know, it's a measly $244. <laughs> and it is worth it um, <laughs> because, you know, you get you get at least 244 different watchings yeah. out, of the, out of the same Absolutely. film. Absolutely. I, I want to hear... There'll be a fan one day that decides to watch every single... Uh, second of footage that we've shot for that film as well so they're, they're pressing the yellow button like 500 times you know, to be honest film. I'm not sure they will because those people are already trying to watch all the alternate endings to, to Killer Gold <laughs> and it's taking them forever yeah, as enough. well So uh, as well as all the weren't there alternate endings for uh, Cretaceon uh, <laughs> yeah movie film studios workshops uh, alternate endings yeah is just churning them out faster than people can watch them, which is weird. It's a, it's a weird thing to be able yes. to do. Um, but they started retroactively going back to Adventure Children <laughs> and to, uh, you know, the apart square bracket and ments, yeah. and they're making... We didn't even ask them to do this. It's just it's just a function that they've okay. got. Um, we have the, the capabilities of doing it, and, uh, and we're going to, whether you want us to I or not. I feel like that department might be coming a bit self-aware. Maybe they're behind the, uh, the musical sting escapades. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. And then, and scary. A bit. I'm glad I'm in another country right now and they can't hear us. But anyway, <laughs> that's a problem for next week to solve. Uh, that is. I do believe that's a wrap. That's an actual wrap now. I believe so. Um, all right. Uh, any housekeeping? I do believe we have oh, yes. another review. We do have another review. Uh, and it's a different kind of review this time because this person who goes by the name of Archie S, uh, capital S, lowercase n, capital C, so that's SNC, uh, has written a review of one of our films, of Tequila Gold. And this individual has given that film five stars. So uh, Five stars, much- it deserves... It has... I mean, the film itself has over 160 stars in it itself. <laughs> it deserves true. at least five stars uh, in yes. the ratings. So uh, this is quite a long review, so I'm not actually going to read it, but I'm just going to pick out some of the uh, the... Words of praise that uh, they've written in there. Um, That's what, I mean, all, all choice, uh, t- like, you know, quotes on uh, movie posters and on the back of DVD cases really only just pick out the top three words yeah. in any review. Yeah. It was brilliant. And there's ellipses between all of them. And you're like, did that person actually ever write the sentence, it was brilliant? Or have you just <laughs> picked words out from wherever you want to, to spell out exactly what you yeah. wanted? So. so I'll add in the ellipses when uh, I feel like it's necessary. So here's one here. Uh, the experience dot, dot, dot. Uh, positive, dot dot dot. Um, I did I did read through the rest of it. He does mention um, the at the end of the film Leonardo DiCaprio being the king of Mars in that review, <laughs> yep. and again that's an alternate ending I haven't seen, but it's good to see that um, a movie film works up uh, uh, alternate endings is working hard. He did also complain that Mephisto did sort of like drop out and reset mm-hmm. every thirty yep. seconds, but complained as if it was a technical issue. <laughs> What we've actually discovered is that our advertisers will pay us per playthrough of movie, mm. and it doesn't actually have to play all the way through. So long as it gets at least 30 seconds oh, in, yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll get the advertising revenue. And we've found that if it drops out and people start it five or six times, <laughs> that's like far more financially <laughs> beneficial for us than them watching it all the way yeah. through. So we've just kind of made the system do that a little bit. It does make it very difficult to get through films, but just be assured that it makes us much wealthier from our advertisers. Brilliant. Yes. So it's working as intended. 
So it's not a bug, it's a feature. It's not a bug, it's a feature is, is a fantastic saying. I haven't heard that one and I love it. <laughs> I mean, it's one of our mottos, to be honest. But yes, thank you very much, Archie. Archie? Oof. Archie SNC for that review. And keep them coming. Those iTunes reviews actually really, 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 really do help. Um, other housekeeping, moviefilmstudios.net is our website where you can find all of our previous episodes, uh, our bios and some other bits and pieces. We are on Facebook, um, so join the community there. Have a look at some of the po- uh, photos from our uh, recent um, private screening of Jamungle. Um, yeah, there's a couple of nice photos there that we had with the cast. Definitely the cast. Um, uh, we're on Twitter. We are at Movie Film Studio because Twitter is spiteful. We are also on iTunes, as I mentioned. We're on pretty much any other place where you can get podcasts. So download it, rate it, listen to it. Yes, rate it before you listen to it. It's really, really helpful. Uh, and uh, yes, get in touch with us if you want to. If you want to, uh, if you feel like actually contributing um a poster to one of our films then yeah we'd love that because we really don't want to pay designers to do it for us yep that's where we're open source comes in we've had um kieran the who you may mention or may yes. remember from the the uh i was going to say welcome to the jingle all the way i think <laughs> i'm just going to call every film welcome to the from the jingle all the way uh mid-season or special yes. has done a few posters which we'll, we'll put up on facebook if you want to contribute pick out your favorite movie film studio film and uh, and design a movie poster for we'll uh, we'll post that up on our facebook yes, page indeed. as well and as we've mentioned previously as well if you write a review we will probably read it out um provided it's not or at as, least part thereof yeah, provided it's not as long as the one we just received and i think that's it. all right i think that's it for this week um it just remains to be said thank you all for listening all the way through right to the very end uh i've been isaac <laughs> and i've been aj roll credits Roger.